Good morning. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul. Angeline. And today we are talking about, if I can spit this out for you, realistic post-apocalyptic games. Yes. With a a highlight on Twilight 2000. <laughs> <laughs> so so we talked about Gamma World in the past and Gamma World is a very, is was a very popular game back in the 80s. 1983 I think it was published probably and it's you know it's had several editions and the latest one was closely tied to fourth edition D&D I think but it was it, but it's always had this campy feel take to all it. that with a grain of salt because the look on his face <laughs> says he doesn't know what he's talking about no. listen to our gamma world episode for yes. the actual publishing dates <laughs> yeah so there's all kinds of publishing dates and all kinds of things but it's always been kind of campy right you know it was a post-apocalyptic game and people were survivors players were survivors of this apocalyptic event and it, depending on the edition the apocalyptic event was different but no matter what people had mutations and they were beneficial mutations right they could uh typical uh can't say typical right but they were positive mutations right they could what were some of the mutations that people had i don't remember Okay, why do you ask me questions I'm not prepared for? <laughs> I don't have a clue. But it doesn't matter. But so, so the idea that that characters played like mutants, right? And these mutants were able to have special abilities that were positive, you know, kind of goes against the science of radiation poisoning and right. stuff like that, right? Radiation poisoning doesn't give you usually positive effects; it just it kills usually you. kills you. It usually kills you, or gives you cancer, gives or you, kills you fast or slow. Fast or slow, and it's you know, and and it damages you and your, what well, not previous, but further generations, right? Yes. If you happen to live. We have uh, real evidence of that by places where there's high radiation. He's from. talking about Japan. Well, there's Japan, but I was thinking even like, you know, where they did experiments here in, in Nevada. In the desert. Stuff, in the yeah. desert. You know, there's high incidence of cancer. Nobody has gotten the ability to change shape or, you know, shoot rays from their eyeballs. Or, that we know about. Yeah. <laughs> if you're out there, come and find us because I'd like to meet you. <laughs> when you're happy, if you're going to shoot rays from your eyeballs. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so... We just watched Captain Marvel. So, <laughs> so is that where I came from? Any kind of beneficial mutation. So along, along with Gamma World around that time period, there was a few other games that dealt with post-apocalyptic in a more realistic way, right? I'm using air quotes that you can't see, but... You know, there it is. To me, there's like three of them that I can remember as a as a young kid looking at, at post-apocalyptic games and seeing what was available. My sister bought me Gamma World. I thank you, Lynn. I appreciate it. And it, I had a lot of fun playing it. I didn't play it very much. Uh, we were, you know, my whole group was stuck in the D&D rut. And I ran, you know, I ran it a few times. And I had a lot of fun. And I really liked the map that came with it and all that stuff. But we just didn't get to play it that much, or my my friends didn't want to play it that much, and I never really got to play it. I ran the game, as per usual, it seems like. Along with Gamma World, I remember seeing Aftermath, and the reason I saw Aftermath is because I was a big, because I had bought Space Opera, which is it's a space opera science fiction game by FGW, which was Fantasy Games Unlimited, which was a producer of games back in the eighties, and Aftermath, much like. Gamma World. Much like Space Opera. Space Opera. Was a very crunchy, crunchy system. I mean, it's probably one of the crunchiest 
post-apocalyptic games out there. And if you go online and you talk to people or not talk, you know, sort of talk to people on bulletin boards, i.e. Uh, Facebook groups and stuff like that, people either will have no idea what Aftermath is or they'll have some experience, like they bought it or they had a friend that had it. They tried to play it once. It was too complicated and they never touched it again. Well, if it's anything like space opera, you really do need someone to explain to you what you're doing because <laughs> you, it's very crunchy. Or you have to have a very patient and understanding the, uh, or plenty of time, time in hand to understand it and go through the rules. So you after need math, someone who actually reads everything. So aftermath was very crunchy, but it was also very realistic, right? And and Jolene was right. We were discussing this before we came on the mics, and there seems to be a, like a lot of, well, quite a few post-apocalyptic games during that time. And I think that had to do with the fact that we were, during the Cold War, we were worried about nuclear war. And most of these post-apocalyptic games dealt with the world ending as we know it by nuclear nuclear war, a limited nuclear war, right? They didn't blow up the whole planet. but So obviously there was people to play. So limited nuclear war or, yeah, Aftermath did take this. And it was the aftermath, the aftermath of the event. And so the characters were survivors of this event. And basically it was a survival game, you know, you know, and, and that's what it was. But like I said, it was extremely crunchy. Uh, you know, there was a lot of, if it was anything like space opera, you know, space opera had a lot of problem, broken rules, right? It explains something and then it, it goes, oh, this is the way it works. But then it changes its mind and, and work, give you some different system. And so it was very clunky. I personally never owned it. I, I I looked at it. One of my friends had it. And again, it was... This is Aftermath? Aftermath. It was also, like I said, it was very, 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 very hard to understand. Even even me who had been playing role-playing games for a while. So a lot of these games tend to be really technical, you know. So another game that I want to talk about is uh, or mention is uh, The Moral Project. The Moral Project. We didn't we talk about that when we did the Gamma World episode, or we probably did one? a little bit. But Moral Project again is a post-apocalyptic game, and it's realistic, right? The only unrealistic thing is, is that I, I might have mentioned uh, Moral Project before, but Moral Project is this big rich guy. He knows that the end of the world is coming. He sets up these places where he gathers a bunch of scientists, uh, military people, doctors. He freezes them, puts them in bunkers. And then they come out after the event, you know, what he thinks is going to happen. And they come back and try to save society. So that was a pretty cool idea. Uh, it probably wasn't as widespread. It wasn't, you know, an extremely popular game. And it was a very thin set of rules. And it was also very, you know, very clunky in a certain way. Uh, the big one, I think, is Twilight 2000, right? It's still heavily, a lot of people still play it. There's been different incarnations, but Twilight 2000 was also one of those RPGs that tried to make a realistic post-apocalyptic game, you know, where they talk about, there's a lot of military talk about, you know, units of, of military in Europe and in, around the world, you know, they talk about what cities would be bombed and this and that. I mean, it was very sort of realistic in a sense, you know, they, whoever wrote it, Frank Chadwick, were the creators of it, and they were very up on current events and thought that they were not thought, but they were very they did you know did their homework in a sense, 
because they knew about different types of arms and different types of weapons. What, why is this different than, let's say, Gamma World? Well, it's a totally different way of looking at post-apocalyptic games. I think you got the names wrong. Frank Chadwick, Dave Nielsen, Lauren Wiseman, and Lester Smith. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Say that again. <laughs> the designers were Frank Chadwick, Dave Nielsen, Lauren Wiseman, and Lester Smith. Okay. Well, I think Saul put some of their names together. Yes, I might have messed up. Ways. But I'll edit that out so it doesn't matter. It'll, it'll sound great. So, anyway, so they created a game that was, to this day has a loyal following. People still love this Twilight 2000 game. You know, obviously it's a little dated, you know, because. Two- so- Interestingly, Twilight enough, 2000 was 20 years ago. <laughs> they, the fir- in the first incarnation of it, they set the setting, and so so that you know the the game was first published in 1984, and this was during the Cold War. 1984. Wow, yeah. that's a lot earlier than I thought. Um, so the idea, and if you didn't live in 1984, I'll just tell you that they, we were still in schools where they had posters that talk to you about what to do in case of a nuclear attack, which was to get <laughs> under your desk, which didn't cover make any head. sense to cover me. Cover your head. Yes. Cover your face and get under your desk. Didn't make any sense at all, but whatever. It would have worked during an earthquake. <laughs> nuclear war, probably not so much. So, it, and this was a time when Ronald Reagan was president and, and, um, yes. <clears throat> and Russia was an evil empire. And the wall was still up between East and West Germany. Yes. So and it was the height of the Cold War. It was the height of the Cold War. So and if you watch any of those those new shows on um, Netflix or even FX and stuff, they actually have Russian spies that were in the United States. And oh yeah, or a good movie to watch would be Red Dawn. Although it wasn't the Russians that came, was it? It was the North Koreans. Well, in the new one, it was North Koreans. I think in the in original, the one, no, the original was Russians. Yeah, it was okay. Yeah, yeah. So that that's what we were. It was an interesting time to live through. Which is probably a bad thing, but um, <laughs> well, but they, I, when they created this game, they actually set it in two thousand, right? right? And that was a long time from because it seemed like a good year, far enough in the future, and and yeah, it seemed like a good year to uh, to place it in. And interestingly enough, they 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 made the war in nineteen ninety seven, and it was a war where it started out between well, in one of the versions, it started out between Russia and China. And then the NATO and then East Germany decided to East and West Germany decided to get together and they overthrew or they <clears throat> took out. They did a coup d'etat in the Russian, um, the Soviet thing. So they so so then it, it fell into against NATO and the and the other people, the, the bad guys, the, the other people, and the, the Russians. What happened to the Chinese? Um, I don't know. I didn't. I don't know that. So, <laughs> so then, but then, Fran. Uh, it depends on the version. Yeah. Um, because then they had to. They redid it. So, they redid the versions because as they got closer and closer, and the wall fell, and ah, different yes. things happened, they changed it up a little bit. But it's a. It's interesting where these people get stuck, and and basically it said in during Thanksgiving of nineteen ninety seven. Okay that's when things go wrong and nuclear weapons are thrown out and and i mean fired not yes, thrown out thrown out as in thrown out into on <laughs> cities and stuff so so what happens is there's all these military units like american military units all over the world nato military units everywhere and these people one of the biggest scenarios of this game is to get home right 
How do you right. get home? What are you going to do? What happens to your military unit when this happens? So then you have to come up with how you're going to do it, right? And they have all these, it's basically a realistic post-apocalyptic thing. Yeah, well, the, well, the society is falling apart or falling apart and, you know, there's no more, uh, some places are pretty lawless, I'm guessing, you know. I'm going to say most places yeah, are pretty lawless. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, especially, I mean, when, when in, in the nuclear uh, war or any kind of war, I mean, look at the, uh, realistically, look at any any area that suffered any kind of uh, combat. And one of the big, big things that I was reading about this one is that they decided not only, even though it was a European thing, they actually shot missiles at the United States and took out United States cities too. Of course. So it was a whole scale. I don't think they used all the nuclear weapons or nobody would be alive. Right, but, right. Limited nuclear yeah. uh, uh, attack. And when one of the scenarios, the um, one of the aftermaths of that is the American civilian government versus the American, there was a, a break with the Joint Chiefs of Staff. So there was a, a, a civil war going on in the United States oh. on, a, on a small level, which is it's they called it low intensity civil war, <laughs> which I'm not sure what that means. But not so many people die. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's an interesting concept. And then um, they, as I said, they redid it. Uh, the first one was 1984, and then they did a version in 2.0 in 1990, and then a version 2.2 .2 in 1993. <laughs> so they, they adjusted things. And then they came out with um, Merc, which was a which Merc was 2000, a, which was basically your you turn into mercenaries, I'm assuming. Well, your mercenaries doing uh, working for different city states or right or, and doing what brush fire wars they call them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, basically going. Sending you to like hot spots of problems and eliminating them. Yeah, right, right. That's what mercenaries do, right? I guess. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so interesting. And then they they also came out with a twenty three hundred twenty three hundred AD AD, which is ties to that timeline kind yes. of. Yes. Right. So, but they but they do they use the same rules? Um, I believe they do. Yeah. Okay. But the interesting part about that one is that. Is that in one of the the scenarios, France breaks apart from from the rest of NATO and declares itself um, neutral. Neutral, and in one of the scenarios when they were creating the twenty three hundred eighty game, they they um, they actually played it either GDW or wherever they were at the time when they made that game. They they came out with this this idea that France became the the leader because of that in the 2300 in one scenario huh? so basically it's rebuilding the united states or not the united states rebuilding the world after this this nuclear disaster right, right? and in that in the tw in the time between 2000 and 2300 they faster than light speed is developed right. they go out and they meet um other species and they colonize planets and things huh. like that so it's a very interesting interesting they also have one called cadillac and dinosaurs which is is uh, based off of uh... that sounds a little bit more like uh, pulpy. Yeah, I think well, it, it has the same system, but it's not it's not in the same yeah. world. No, right? Because dinosaurs, I don't think came out in have come and out. And most interestingly, is that they in two thousand and eighteen and two thousand and seventeen, there were actual published uh, adventures as uh, supplements. Yes, yeah. yeah. One on, was on, a... run, on drive through RPG. Right, PDFs. Yeah, so obviously there's still a following, and there's still people playing it. And if you go to any board, uh, let's say a Facebook group or any group on any social media, they're very active, right? They they love posting about they love posting about stuff that 
would be of interest to people who play that game. A lot of them really are into guns, you know, that play this game because it was a very militaristic type of setting. And so it attracts people who really like that, that kind of detail in their games. And, you know, some of these guys argue about, you know, what kind of setup would be best for people surviving, you know, that kind of stuff. And I'm not too much interested in that. I'm more interested in the role play aspects of, running the game in, in that kind of world and or playing the game in that kind of world and that makes for a lot of moral dilemmas and what do you do right and, and you're 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 going to be part of a, a military group maybe most if, likely most likely yeah. and um so you have to either get home or whatever you're doing you're going to yeah. run into military you're going to run into dilemmas moral dilemmas which soldiers always do right what are you right. going to do so, so uh, one of the one of the rule sets that came out that wasn't attributed to GDW was Twilight 2013. 13, yes, which you say came out in 2008. It came out in 2008, and wow. it was set. So it was five years. It they kind of moved it up to <laughs> a little bit. Yes, which was funny because I guess I didn't. I bought that game. I guess a couple years after it came out, it must have been like 2010, 2011, and I read the rules and read the rules, and it was a totally different system. In a sense that it didn't, it wasn't a GDW system the way they handled things, and but it did kind of use that because the GDW at the time also made what is it, uh, Traveler, the New Era, which kind of and Dark Conspiracy they kind of used that same mechanic, and what they did is they they used kind of a life path system, right? They, they, when you make a character, you choose what job they had, and it, depending on what job you had, it would give you a choice of what skills you could have. And that's how you got skills in that game. And you went like kind of like Traveler in the sense that you would do tours of duty kind of. And for every however much time you spent doing that, you would get points to add to your skills. And so that's the way uh, the Twilight 13, Twilight 13, Twilight 2000 from version 1 to 2 to 2.2 is. And then 2013 kind of did the same thing, but they changed the 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 rule mechanic um they changed the rule mechanic uh they also changed the timeline leading to the twilight wars right which was completely rewritten and no longer focused on the cold war of course confrontation between nato with the soviet union and china well because there was no cold war right by 2008 I'm just, uh, the, just... the, the, the wall had fallen in in in, in beirut <laughs> <laughs> in berlin and you know russia and the united states russia has been had been going through this, you know, uh, perestroika, right? Ro the, broke the, up or, or... Yes, it kind of broke up. Uh, if we, you know, uh, they kind of gave a little bit of independence to former territories or states, whatever you want to call them, uh, conquered well, they, territories. They may try to take some of them back now. <laughs> they have taken some of them back, right? But so it was a totally different world than During the 1984, yeah. 2008. So, but, uh, but from what I remember hearing and reading, reading mainly not hearing people hated that system they they thought that the basis or the story behind what led to the apocalypse or whatever you call it was terrible it was just you know at least armchair quarterbacks or generals i don't know uh they, they thought it was ludicrous that certain events would happen the way they did as way uh, the way as described in the twilight 13 2013 book you know, I didn't really care about all that. I just looked at the rules. I thought they were kind of neat. I thought they were pretty interesting. So I decided to run a couple con games based on that. My just an idea I had, and one of the uh, classic adventures is called Going Home, mm -hmm. 
uh, from Twilight 2000, which you could probably still find on eBay or or drive through RPG. RPG, right? Uh, although uh, I didn't know they had made so many supplements or material to support Twilight 2000, but there's a lot of scenarios, there's a lot of source books and stuff like that. So anyway, so I decided to use Twilight 2013 as the rules for my con game, and I based it on going home, right? But of course, I can't base I, I can't base it on I didn't base it in Poland like I think the original game is. Oh my god, or, this is when he was looking up stuff on the internet. Yes, and so, so I was looking up stuff on the internet, and I decided that since we had troops in Afghanistan, Iraq, Pakistan, uh, one of the one of the hot spots I back then and probably still is now is the the bad relations between Pakistan and India, and unfortunately, both of those people have nuclear weapons. And they hate each other so much. That's still one of the critical points of where a nuclear exchange could happen because they really hate each other for whatever reasons. And so I decided that uh, at the end or at the beginning of this this really tense time before the world goes to pot, the United States and other Western state uh, states, nations, send out teams to dismantle, get rid of, what they feel felt were belligerent states, nuclear weapons arsenals. Wow! So the the player characters were a part of the team that they sent to Pakistan, and they were able to do their job and prevent Pakistan from setting off most of its nuclear arsenal, and therefore therefore saving. The point was is that the, this team of player characters were sent to Pakistan disable uh, or yeah disable as many nuclear arsenals weapons in their arsenal and then get out of there so they did most of the they completed most of their mission and and they were on their way back to the United States uh, to the extraction point when they get shut down uh, and land somewhere in uh, Afghanistan Pakistan slash in northern India type thing and then they got to make it to their extraction point just so you know, when Saul was getting ready to run this scenario at a con, <laughs> he was looking up all these maps in Afghanistan, Iran, Pakistan, India. And I'm like, what are you doing? And he's Putting like, myself on a watch list. <laughs> I'm all going, oh, dude. Well, and he was like using Google Earth and getting really in so he could see what was going on. I'm all, I'm not sure you should be doing that. Yeah, it was, it's okay. If they ask me any questions, I'll just say I'm preparing for a game. They can, they like, they don't know everything anyway, right? They know that you're a gamer, so whatever. <laughs> well, my, all my, my, all my uh, Google searches. So I really wanted to get realistic because this is a very realistic type game. So I did go to Google Maps and I was looking at the terrain and I wanted to place it in something that looked, that I felt what would be an interesting place to put the adventure in or put the characters in. And so... You know, I looked up uh, Google Maps of, of where they crash landed, you know, what path they could take to uh, using, you know, GPS to get to where they needed to go, uh, what their, was their extraction site. Once they get to the extraction site, they see the ship, the ship, they see the, the cargo plane that's supposed to be, but it's been commandeered by uh, local, local military slash basically bandits now, right? Because there's no more, you know, there's no more government there where they're this. I think it was a, either Indian or Pakistani a unit that had invaded and taken over the spot place. Part of the, the adventure was getting to that place. And then once they get there is where they're going to go from there. So, you know, so they had to jump and hop and skip and get, get fuel, of course. 
had a tough time because I wanted to be realistic. And so I wanted to be able for that plane to get from one place to another. I figured out that that plane that I chose, which is a C-10, I don't know what version of it was. was a very bad choice. Was, it was a bad choice because it didn't have the range to get all the way to the United States. So they would have to like use this, like go from, you know. They either have to hop along yes, and refuel. That was the deal. Or and find steal fuel. another plane. <laughs> and find fuel, right? right? They had to find fuel for this big old hunking thing. Which gave you a lot of moral dilemmas for these soldiers, right? Right. So the the adventure that I ran went from the, them crash landing, finishing off the mission, crash landing, going to the extraction site, finding their ship, their ship, their plane, <laughs> and then figuring out where they wanted to go. And I gave them multiple different locations, and they chose one. And... And then, and from there, I you know I just that, that was the end of the of the adventure, so it went really well. I think I, I had, unfortunately though, I was I had back then I was running tables of eight, right, which is a huge. <laughs> That's number a of lot players. of people. And then I had a lot of characters, right? I think I had twelve characters made. Because when Saul makes a game, he just goes all out, <laughs> especially a con game, because he wants it to be as cool as possible. So he goes into making these characters and. All of the stuff. But. Yeah, so I gave them a lot of choices as to what kind of characters they they could play, and of course I have like pictures of printouts of pictures and in uh, stands that they can look at. I have the character sheets in a portfolio they can have, and and I have the equipment list and all of stuff. So you know, it was pretty cool. I had a lot of fun running that game. Uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, you know, I let too many people in, even though uh, we were uh, we were set at eight. It was a full game, and that. That particular game was very interesting in a lot of people, and I had like, you know, quite a people try to crash the game at a con, and I think I let one or two people in. The problem with that is that when you have a big table, it's time constraining, right? Right. Because everybody wants to play right. and everybody and wants stuff. to talk, right. and if you're at a con game and you only have a certain amount of hours to complete the scenario, did you complete it? Oh yeah, but see the thing is, I always. I always try to get my games at the end of the night. So I'm the last game in that room. Uh, so if it goes over. Yes, I can go as long as we need to. What was funny is, is that, well, not funny, but we're very interesting in, our, in the, here in Northern California. Most of our conventions have games in private rooms, which is unheard of in almost any other area where there's game conventions. Usually they stick you in a huge hall where there's a gazillion people and it's loud and it can be obnoxious and be very hard to hear. But we're special. But we are special here. We're very uh, spoiled. And so because the game in my, my game was always the last game in that particular room, I could go as long as we wanted to. And I think I went over by like an hour and a half. I started at 6. So I was supposed to end at 12. I think it ended around... Two two o'clock. I got back to the hotel room. So it was an eight hour game, you know, a seven and a half hour game, with a ten minute break. I think I had a break. So I think I was able to move people around. Or, I mean, move the spotlight around enough that everybody, because because the way I designed this team was they were all like specific uh, specialists specialists in yeah. different areas, and so they all had to, you know, there was a sniper of course, there was a medic, there was, you know, all kinds of different kind of characters. So it was a fun game. Uh, I had a lot of uh, that was you know that was a fun game to run. Twilight twenty thirteen was a pretty interesting system, but like we were just reading that 
the studio that had it. They went it, out. Of, they they went out of business in two years. Two years. So they published it in two thousand eight, uh, which means to me that they were working on it before, right? They probably were a company a year, at least a year before they published their game. They released the the core rules in on PDF on November eighth, in two thousand and eight. And they announced that they were going out of business in December of 2010. <laughs> yes. It was called 93 Game Studios. Studio. Yeah. And like I said before, it wasn't highly appreciated by the Twilight 2000. Of course not. You took away their, their Cold War. Yes. And, and you took away the an established system, right? Right. And that's never going to be appreciated. Right. So what I thought was really cool about it, I just really liked it. You know, there's no doubt about it. I, I thought the system was pretty interesting because they they had like three stages, right? And so the three stages meant how complex you wanted the game to be. So if you wanted to deal with hydrostatic shock and, and blood loss and all this other stuff, you would have stage three rules. If you just wanted something a little bit more like D&D-ish where they just killed off hit points or you know stuff like that, you just use stage ones with no radiation poisoning and all this other stuff. So I thought it was really well done. People, like you said, didn't like the future backstory history, whatever you want to call it. Well, it's hard when you uh, already Twilight 2000 had changed the story a couple of times because they kind of had to, right? Right, because of real world events. Because, you know, when you set something in the future and the future appears <laughs> and it's not the way that the, you, when you thought the it future, was. Right? Well, yeah, when you've gone past the future and... Then it becomes an alternate history, right? <laughs> and I think that's what they, they did in the, the version 2.2 is they basically said this is an alternate history. Right. In fact, at the very end of the book of Twilight 2002.2, they have alternate... Alternate history. Alternate, not alternate history, but alternate... What is it? Uh, settings, right? And I think it's kind of funny because, like, you know, they they kind of realize that, that things are going to be different. So they have... No, the planet strike, right? Because in 1993, there was a big planet or asteroid or whatever it was, not a big planet. Oh, but that went that, by us? That went by us. And we didn't know that it was even on a close, close. Now, and just it, a few months ago, there was a, or I don't know if it's come by or not yet, but there was a huge asteroid that's going to come within. And it's like really huge. And it's, they can tell you how close it's going to come to the earth. Right. Before you didn't even know that it went by you, right? So, so, so there was, there was back in '93 or '92, there was one that went by the night by Earth. Well, by astronomical figures, it's pretty close, but we didn't realize it till after it had passed by, right? <laughs> Which could be a problem. So, since then, I think you know NASA, whoever's in charge of it, has started doing this. Is uh, that what inspired the Armageddon movie? I, and uh... <laughs> no, Armageddon was yeah, Armageddon was pretty early. But what's funny is, is that. Is that since then we have what do you call it the lookout for near near Earth collision yes. things or whatever, and so Although I don't believe we have a scenario to stop the Earth near Earth collision. But well, we could always do the Armageddon. Uh, yeah, we can scenario. send out the the oil, we don't have, the oil miners out. We don't have a space shuttle program. That's anymore, true. So we're, we're, we have to depend on the Russians, the Russians or something. So which would be an interesting thing with Twilight Two Thousand because then you know. Okay, and then there's a Twilight Biohazard. Oh. Something terrible happens. Then there's Twilight Mean Streets, where gangs just basically take over the freaking world. Uh, the Iron Dream, you know, kind of remnants of, of World War Two. There's the a, Iron Dream. You mean World War Two or the Cold War? The Cold War. I'm sorry. Uh, and then stay the course is just keep playing what you've been playing. We've been playing the whole time, 
So there's, and that's at the very last page of the Twilight 2000 2.2 book. So they obviously say, well, you know, we understand, you know, they kind of understand that, that the timeline is kind of skewed. It's like cyberpunk 2020, right? Yeah. You know, where's my freaking flying car? Oh, it's like, (laughs) it's like, um, it's even like, uh, what's the game we play? Shadowrun. Shadowrun 2012 was supposed to be the beginning of the, of the ooge. And also I have another question just real quick. Is this a, a campaign kind of game or is it a one shot kind of game? I would say a campaign. Definitely. So if you're doing a campaign, would it be that your soldiers are always trying to get home or are they going to establish their own little kingdom? Are they going <laughs> to, are they going to be more, more like mercenaries where they're, they're writing all the wrongs as they go? Well, there's or... different ways you can play it. Right. And you know, if you play, if you play the, the characters are in the foreign land, then they could be trying to get home. I mean, that's just the way it is. Uh, it depends on what the players want to do, or they could just sit where they're at, try to make life as, life as livable as they can either by setting up their own kingdom or 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 helping a local uh mayor Warlord. or city or mayor you know duly elected mayor in a democratic instituted uh, situation <laughs> in, in a time of war right so so there's all kinds of scenarios that can play out or you can even send them back home right they could yeah. be a, a contingent at home and dealing with that oh, same and then situation. They, and then if they go home, there's that low-level war, civil war going on between right, the, the right. government and the military. So there's all kinds of different ways you can play it. Uh, I think most people would love, who would like this game and like this game, love the idea of a long-term campaign to be able to uh, see what the characters can do. You know, uh, one-shots are cool, but My- I think long-term is it's about survival. It's about trying to rebuild society maybe and and going from there i guess it would depend on your players too right because uh, i can see it going really bad in in a group i wouldn't want to play in where they where they choose to do things that i would consider not moral or you know if they're they're unsavory if they're gonna make their own (laughs) kingdom or something like that well yeah yeah but if they become like you know chaotic evil yeah yeah. you know pillage and destroy stuff this system brings out that that idea in people right because it's like my son plays rust all the time and (laughs) drives me nuts because all they do is they get their they beam into their body (laughs) that's the best way i could describe it they wake up they get a rock and they start killing people to get stuff well they 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 uh, make stuff yes and then they they, kill people yeah (laughs) it's like it's this and i keep telling him that's not the way it would be right and he goes are you sure, mom? And then I'm like going, oh my God, that is the way it would be. Well, I mean, one, the problem with Russ is that you start off with nothing, right? You're, right. you're naked, literally, in the game. And so you, uh, you 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 can pick up a rock, I think is your first weapon, and you beat rocks against other rocks and you get minerals and you beat rocks against wood to get planks of wood. And then you with, and then it's a total construction game. It's kind of like uh, Minecraft in the sense that you, you get stuff to, to, to build mine stuff, stuff, to build stuff, to make to, your base, and then you make a base, and then you go raid other bases, and then and then you can actually, you know, uh, make guns, make guns, you make bows and arrows, and then you make guns, and they do. It is kind of realistic in the fact that they have to wear um, those radiation suits to go out and get stuff in the cities and stuff like that. I don't know. I don't know if they do that, but I know yeah, they can make does, armor out of them. like signs, old signs. I know because like they make those. They make the radiation suits. Okay. I know that's the one. I, I, I guess it one. depends on which server you're on or whatever. Yeah, and the tech but, level. And so all that. so having 
watched him kill all these people with rocks and him and his buddies planning their assaults on things to go and take stuff and get the best stuff. <laughs> it is whatever. a pretty brutal game. I, I look at this at Twilight 2000 and I go, and you can see it in any post-apocalyptic game. There's going to be those moral dilemmas, right? And I think that's right. one of the, would be one of the most, I, I'm not sure I would want to play in a game for a long period of time if the players went a certain Went route. Rogue. Yeah, I, I would. Yeah, well, you're you off the you reservation, and then I would have to. I would have to choose whether I would. What I would do. Right. right? I wouldn't. Well, I wouldn't run that game. I, I mean, know if, you if, wouldn't run that right. game, but I'm just saying. If players started just becoming, you know, just people crazy, you know, like what is it, the purge, right? Going out and killing people uh, because they can. Uh, I think one of two things would happen. You know, uh, neighboring uh, groups of other militias or whatever you want to call them whether they're bandits or whatever, they would see you as a threat right. and would try desperately to eliminate you. Because if you just go out pillaging and killing and doing all kinds of terrible things, nobody wants them as a neighbor. Right. And I think it would, whether they, the other people liked or hated each other, they could probably, you could probably, you know, band, they could probably band together and eliminate the real threat that is your player characters. If such a thing would happen. When I would never run a game like that, I would never GM a game like that. Or, you know, even if the players wanted to, like, okay, that's not the game I want to run, you know, I wouldn't run it. So I would definitely be the, you know, I would definitely want to run a game where they're trying to rebuild society instead of just go anarchist crazy, you know, like the bad people in, what's that, the one with the cars? The one with the car. oh, Mad Max. Mad Max, right. <laughs> yes. Sorry. Yeah. And they'll be you know, like, right, exactly. Mad Max is people who want to try to, you know, maintain a, a stable society. And there's people who just go nuts. Yeah. And I wouldn't want to have a group of players who are just going nuts. That's not what I want to do. It's not this, not the D&D oh, game. Yeah, just, I was just checking because I, I, I wasn't sure what kind of, I mean, I can only imagine most, most people would, would be. It seems it's geared toward that type of play where players, players are good. To, for the most and part, to, to... and they're trying to do something positive. Okay, it seems that way. Right. You know, the moral project. You know, they're they're trying to rebuild society. Uh, the good thing about moral project is that they have modern arms, they have technology. With, well... But and you know, and they they're they wake up. Mm -hmm. You know, well, they wake up later than they're supposed to. You know, by accident. So they wake up a hundred years after the event, and by that time, you know, society is really fractured. You know, uh, dies the fire is a good example of a of a it's a set of books that post apocalyptic thing happening, and where people are you know big cities become you know terrible places to be yeah right, and so that's the gameplay that uh, you would want to play is is where people players are trying to do good whatever that entails. So it's an interesting set of uh, of rules. Uh, it's an interesting genre subset of genre of post-apocalyptic games is this realistic, uh, realistic, again in quotes, post-apocalyptic game where Earth isn't quite destroyed and there's no mutants running around going crazy. There's no zombies and stuff like that. It's a different take on that genre. And I think it just it, it makes a different kind of gameplay. And I think, yeah, I think a lot of people would like it, especially if, if you're my age and We'll live through the, <laughs> the, the cold, cold live war. through the Cold War. I didn't live through the whole Cold War, just the end of it. Yes. But <laughs> we weren't around for the Cuban Missile Crisis. No. <laughs> Nothing like pretty, that. Probably a pretty bad for time to be. Right, right, right. So but anyway, a good genre if you want to play that kind of game. Right. So there you go. So there you go. Have fun. 
Thanks for listening. This is Game of Perspectives with Saul. Angeline. Have a good day. Stay safe.